If you like having Bible study in your pocket and you have an iPhone or iPad, why not leave a review? Search Bible Study Evangelista in iTunes and tell everyone how you're loving and lifting all you've been given. Here's Sonia. Let's get social. Connect with me at Bible Study Evangelista on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and now you can also find me on the number one Catholic app for iPhone and Android, Laudate. Let's connect. And now, let's get some Bible study in your pocket. We are in episode 7 of our Freedom from Anxiety series based on my newest book, Just Rest. It's just out. Just Rest is just out, y'all. And we are going through the principles of the book. It's modeled on the exodus of the Israelite people and the lessons that they were meant to learn in the desert about God and about themselves and how rest is not a matter of inactivity but rest in thought, rest in emotion, rest in body, and rest in soul. And I want to finish the um, the theme of the last episode. In this episode, we were we were talking about rest in emotions, and I gave you half. Sorry, but I gave you half of the visualization exercise. That is a wonderful, wonderful tool for transforming emotion. I mentioned in last week's show that it's not enough to just talk about how we're feeling and the thoughts that we have. We have to have those transformed. They have to stop eating us away on the inside. And one of the ways to do that is that visualization technique. So I'm going to go through that again with you. This is actually in chapter three of Just Rest, Emotions at Rest. It's in the invitation part. And It's the visualization technique that I stumbled over when I was having, uh, I shared last week the writer's block that I was having, uh, but also I've I've used this technique many, many times since. And one of the times that I found it particularly helpful was I was feeling a conflict In growing up, one of the great gifts that my father gave me, and I know I talk about my woundedness with him a lot, my father wound, but one of the great gifts that he gave me was that he was always not just encouraging me, he almost, he forced me in a lot of ways, which I found very difficult at the time, but now looking back on it, I'm grateful. He forced me in many, many ways to reach for my goals, to set goals, to reach for them, and to work toward them, and to be determined, and to persevere. And I have to say that the only reason now that I am the way that that I am in perseverance and endurance and just this, you know, that Nike um, marketing campaign that they took on probably back in the 80s and 90s, just do it. I actually had, I pulled a magazine ad out of a magazine and I had it posted in my home for the longest time and it was just the Nike symbol and it said just do it and that is one of the great gifts that my dad gave me and I am probably gonna forever be thankful for that but it also created this really terrible conflict in part because I you know when you are Christian when you're when you have goals as a, as a Christian, 
people see you as proud or ambitious. And those are two really ugly words in a walk of faith for a lot of people. And, and I had that conflict in my heart. How much of this, Lord, is what you've called me to? And how much of this is just me being ambitious and proud? And so I had this desire and this drive even to set goals and to reach them and to do whatever it took to do to reach them. But then also on the other side, I had this whisper of you're just proud, you're just ambitious. And those, you know, that's not faith. Faith is not ambition. And, and there is some truth to that. But I, I really, really deeply felt like God has has called me to do the things that were my goals. I felt like my goals had been made in God's presence and with his blessing and even according to his call on my life. And so I had this really deep conflict and it was, it was causing the, this was the period of time where I experienced anxiety and it had to do a lot with um, a publisher, uh, not my current publisher, but, but a previous publisher. And every time I would, I would have a meeting with that group of people, because it tweaked my father wound, I would, I would just get so, my chest would get tight, my heart would pound, and I I would dread it. It was so much like in interacting with my dad. And part of that was because it's kind of a boys club. And, you know, they always wanted to do video. And I'm, you know, I'm the one female in the room, and they're all sitting around a conference table. And it's just very, it's just like you see in corporate America, it's really high powered and, and all this stuff. And, and I, I could handle myself and I can, but I recognized how stressful it was. And, and because it was tweaking my father wound so hard, it, this wasn't a, a fault of that this particular publisher. This was an issue with me and I knew that. And so I, I didn't know what to do about this conflict because I was thrilled to be with this publisher. And I was thrilled that my vision for my book, my, my books, was coming to fruition. I was absolutely thrilled because it was an answer to prayer. And, and it was a goal that I had set and that I had reached, obviously, with grace. You know, it's not something really I do, but I really did work. I worked very, very hard to get to that point. And so I couldn't figure out why I was having such anxiety, why my chest was tight, why I dreaded the meetings, why... Every single phone call seemed to be so stressful for me, and it bothered me a lot. And so I tried this visualization technique. And one of the things that happened there was the the first, well, I need to probably go through it with you again. So I'm going to start from the beginning. So here is how you transform negative emotions. This is the visualization technique. So first of all, you take a couple of deep breaths and you spend as long as you need to focus. This is what the saints call being recollected. It's interior stillness and quiet. And you do that as best you can. And you get in touch with God. However, you typically do that. And then you start to focus your thoughts and your attention on the negative emotion or the situation. It can be something big, something little. It can be something minor, something major. It can be something you want help with or what you want to work through, anything like that. A work situation, relationship, health, anything. So whatever the source of negativity and stress is, imagine what it feels like in your body. What does it feel like in your emotions? And what does it look like? If you could assign a picture or a symbol to that, What does it look like? What image 
as you sit there and you you feel the emotion of it, you let all of the emotion come up and all of the the memories and the thoughts or whatever, whatever the, the emotion is that you feel regarding this situation, what is the image that comes up? Is it a face, a place? It doesn't matter what it is. Don't judge the image, whatever comes up. And I gave you the science behind this last week, so I'm not going to go into it again, but don't judge it. Just trust whatever you see as being okay. And then reach for the color or the colors that best express what you see and how you feel. Now, once you've done this a little while, you don't even need to draw it out. You can just see it in your mind, but let the picture develop fully. You want to really see it. You want to smell it, hear it, feel it, touch it. You want to see the colors. You want to feel the emotion, all of that. You let all of that come up and then you let the picture develop in your mind and on the paper if you're drawing. And for me, with this situation, what I saw was a stove burner, the coil of a stove burner, and it was red hot. And the next step then, after you get the picture, you want to give the drawing or the picture a title with as few words as possible. And what came up for me was reaching hurts. And the reason reaching hurt for me was because of the renigs that I lived with with my father. And I've told a couple of these stories at the end of my book, Unleashed, so I won't go into those. But multiple times as I was growing up, the thing that my father would promise me, I would just almost get it and he would snatch it back. And that is the source of that pain. You know how when a child reaches or, or if you have accidentally touched a hot burner, the first thing you do is snatch your hand back because it, it burns, it hurts. And so that was the picture that came to mind as I sat thinking about this situation and the stress and the anxiety and all of that that I was experiencing when I should have been just thrilled. And I was thrilled. That's That was the conflict. I was thrilled but anxious. I couldn't figure out where all this anxiety was coming from. Well, I, actually, I did know where it was coming from, but I couldn't resolve it. That's the point of this visualization technique. The transformation hadn't happened yet. And so I was still dealing with the emotion the conflict in my emotions. And that's what's so powerful about this visualization technique. So you set that that picture aside and then you remember you really need to call the Holy Spirit into this exercise because he is the one who does this work. You're in the Holy Spirit's presence and you ask him for a better way to see your negative or your stressful circumstance. And you ask him specifically for a transforming image. Ask the Holy Spirit what is a better way to see this situation? Please give me a transforming picture. And as I sat with him, I just allowed an image to surface into my mind. And this is that's exactly what you do. You ask him for the image and you sit quietly until an image surfaces in your mind. Trust whatever you see as being okay and then reach for the color or the colors that express what you see and how you feel. And you draw the new image or else you hold it in your mind and you develop it until you feel like it's, it's reached a stopping point and you're satisfied. And at that point, you give the new image a title with as few words as possible. And what I saw there blew me away. You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. 
Sonia created the Love the Word Bible study method just for you, based on Mary's personal practice and formulated for your personality and temperament. Get your Love the Word meditations every Monday morning by signing up at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. was so excited to be part of this project with probably the, it was, it was the very first study that I had in my heart as I became Catholic. And it was such a thrill to be able to see the vision for it come to life. And I was so excited about it. And yet I had this very dark, suffocating conflict going on. And it, it was just really, really difficult to enjoy. It was difficult to enjoy the blessing of it. And so I tried this visualization technique and I asked the Holy Spirit for a transforming picture. And what I saw, I have kept from then. I, have, I actually drew them out. I have both of the pictures and I saw a huge tree like an oak tree something enormous and it was so big the trunk was enormous and the the tree itself was so big it had it had a fork in the trunk and I saw myself sitting in the fork of the tree and the tree was huge and it had these enormous limbs and it was green and lush and just a beautiful, beautiful tree. And I could see the roots digging way down into the dirt. But mostly what I felt when I saw that tree was just the, the growth of it and the fullness, but the reaching, the reaching of the limbs of the tree. Now, I don't know if you know um, the verse in the scriptures that talks about how the trees clap their hands in praise of God, but that is how that picture felt. It felt like all of the limbs of the tree were like arms reaching up to the sky where God is, reaching up toward God. And I saw myself in the middle of that tree, and the title of it was Reaching Brings Life. And what I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me in that picture was, I made you to reach as far as you can possibly reach. I made this tree to reach to the stars, to reach to the sky, to grow as high and as big and as full as it can possibly grow. And I made you exactly the same way. And you, I felt like I had this, this dam broke inside of me. I felt I had permission for the first time to reach as high and as far and as long as I wanted. And it was such a, a freeing, transforming moment. I felt like God was not only just giving me permission, but, but literally saying to me, I made you for this. Now go do it and do it with all your heart. And, and to this day, that picture remains one of my favorite go-to pictures when, when 
I wonder, you know, what's next. And, and as I said in previous shows, I am in my promised land. And some of y'all thought I meant Tennessee. <laughs> I don't mean Tennessee. I mean, in ministry, I am standing in my promised land. I am working in my promised land. I am loving the milk and honey of my promised land. And the whole reason that I'm doing this series is to show you and tell you and make you believe and hope faith, hope, and love in your promised land. God has given you the desire of your heart. The Bible says he gives us the desires of our hearts. And that doesn't just mean that he fulfills them. It means he gives them to us to begin with. Those desires that that go very, very long and they persevere and they endure. Now, I don't mean just every whim. I'm talking about the desire, the longing, that you had for a long, long time. And I mentioned on my IG live this week that it in the in the scriptures, when God it gives someone this kind of promise, it takes a decade at least for it to come to fruition because there's a lot of formation that happens in that time. And so you can't rush it and you can't you can't get to the promised land until you have the stuff that's preparing you in the interim. You have to have each step. Every single one is important. You learn things, you pick up stuff, you adjust, you're formed in your spirit and your soul. You find rest in your thoughts and your emotions and your body and your soul so that you know how to operate in your promised land with all that you've learned in the desert. So you have to have that time. And this picture has remained for me such a place of hope and peace and rest and assurance. So my point is, reach. If you have some sort of promise like that, and it has endured through all the hardships and all of the deprivations of the desert, that is likely a desire that God has placed in you that he will fulfill when the time is right. But we can't get ahead of him. We can't possess it. We can't force it. We can't obligate him to give us what is a gift. I've been talking about this all week on social media. You cannot force God to give you what is a gift. And I had a real problem with perfectionism. I was trying to earn God's love. And that's the part that I didn't understand through all of that desert. I thought I was trying to earn God's, God's promise. And, and I was. But what I was really trying to do was trying to earn God's love. And it was the desert that taught me that God loves me anyway. He loves me despite anything that I'm doing. And I had to know that in the deepest, deepest recesses of my soul because I didn't believe that. And I know that you don't either. We talked last week about those attachment, those attachment cries and how, and how we're made with that. We're made with that need, that need that, that trumps every other need in our whole lives. We're made for that need. We're made with it. And it, it cannot be squashed. It, it, it's as natural as breathing. We must have that love. But the soul is so deep and so expansive and, and almost even infinite in, in some ways that only God can fill that space. And so until we learn through the deprivations step by step that God does love us and he will provide for us at every single step when we turn to him in our deprivations, until we learn that, we will never, never rest in that promised land because there will always be that sneaking suspicion 
that either we earned it for ourselves or that God just gave it to us to, to placate us and shut us up or something. He uses that desert to address a very deep worthlessness. Those, those deprivations in the desert are meant to pull up that rejection, that abandonment, and that worthlessness that is the root of these attachment cries and these emotional, um, these emotional storms that overtake us so often. And so the desert is meant to pull that up so that we can address them with God and he can heal them. And part of how he does that is with this visualization technique. Now, it's interesting that in Genesis, in the second chapter, it says, it is not good for man to be alone. We all know that verse, but it actually says in the original language, it is not good for the human, Hadam, to be alone. That speaks to that primary human need of attachment and love. It's not something you can pretend is not there. It's not something you can squash. It's not something you can self-medicate. It's not something that you can ever feel yourself. And none of the relationships, even combined, all of your most close intimate relationships combined cannot meet that need. So it has to be God that meets that need for us. And we learn how to allow him to do that through the deprivations of the desert. It pulls up, all those deprivations pull up historical emotion. They pull up attachment needs and, uh, and the self-medication that go along with that. It pulls up worthlessness, which I will address in, in just a moment. But this visualization technique works for any situation like that. Just get the picture of it, the, the way it feels now in its, in its ugliness and darkness and loneliness and abandonment and rejection and heaviness and despair and depression and all of that. Get the picture of that first and then ask the Holy Spirit for a transforming picture and then ask him for the name. What's the name of this? And you want it to be as few words as possible. And then you compare the two side by side and you ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying here? How should I look at this from this point forward? And here's the key. Once you have your transforming picture, anytime you feel the negativity of that emotion that you began with, you stop. S-T-O-P. Sin not, tell God, offer the right sacrifice, put your trust in God. You're your sacrifice in this case is that you stop yourself thinking and feeling the negative emotion and you go instead to your transforming picture and you think about that. You think about how that picture feels. You feel the feelings associated with that picture. And as you do that, the negativity is healed and it's transformed and it will not harass you anymore. When the Holy Spirit does that transforming work, when he gives you that picture, he, he gives you the healing that goes with it. Now, that's not to say that it's done miraculously in one second. You have to discipline yourself in your emotions, just like you have to do with your thoughts. So when you find yourself emoting negatively in the same way of that first picture, you stop yourself and you divert those emotions and those thoughts to your transforming picture. And you think about that and you emote about that and you spend time in meditation on that. And that is how the negative emotions are transformed. You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. 
Did you know you can get Bible Study Evangelista radio notes and podcasts delivered to your inbox every Monday morning? Redeem your Mondays. Join thousands of your fellow listeners by subscribing at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. This is the launch week for my book, Just Rest. So everything you're going to see on social media, everything you're going to hear on social media, everything you're hearing right now is all about Just Rest, my new book. Many, many of you have um, have been asked and agreed to leave a review on Amazon. If you have this book and you have begun reading it, I am asking you to leave a review on Amazon for this book, and I need you to write a review. Don't just click a star. I need you to actually write something. It doesn't have to be long. Please let it be complimentary, but I need you to leave a review for me on this book. It's so important. My exalted book did not do well because of COVID, and so it's necessary for this one to do well because... I might get dropped and never write another book if y'all don't help support me. I mean, I really need your help. I'm, I'm not just saying it. I need you to, to come through for me here on the reviews, but also in sharing pictures of your book when you get it and, and sharing things that it's helped you with and this series, sharing the series. I'm, I know, you know, we ask you this all the time, but, but I really need your help. I mean, I, I'm begging, really, because as I said, Exalted did not do very well. Because there were there were no opportunities to promote it anywhere um, through COVID. So, and this is this is oh my gosh this this is we need this we need this right now. You are listening to this podcast because you're sick of drowning in anxiety and fear, and our culture, both in the church and in the the. Uh, politics and government, they are tweaking every single fear button we have. And it's causing anxiety, I know. And that's why you're here. So get the book. As you're doing the series, you're going to you're going to go back to this book over and over again, because the he the chapters in Hebrews that I cover there and how we go back to the Exodus and we we follow God and the Israelites through that desert. This stuff is what life is about. That's why we're here. This is what we do in purgatory. And we're not meant to do it in purgatory where we don't have anything to lean on as far as the sacraments and the church and our community and our attachments to the people that we love and who love us. We don't have any of that in purgatory. And friend, you don't want to do it there. I'm telling you, do it here. And you are doing it. That's why you're listening to this series. So just know that this process is necessary. The desert is absolutely necessary. And your help is necessary for me. I, I mean, you're my community. You're my tribe. You're the ones who love and support me. And so I need you right now. I really do. So please leave a review, a written review, and share the book. But more than that, I really want to know, I I love, what I, one of the things that I've loved about this series is hearing from you how you're struggling and, and, and where you're finding help through the series and through the book. Seeing you do this work has been one of the greatest blessings of my entire life. It's up there with parenting my children. It is the most beautiful thing to see. Well, first of all, I feel, I feel such, um, 
solidarity with you because I know where you are. I know what you're feeling. I have felt it. I'm, you know, I'm with you. I know. And so the solidarity is so sweet to know that you're receiving help and rest from the most difficult time and period of my entire life. I'm just, I'm over the moon with that. And I am so thankful for the privilege of being able to do that, to serve you and to walk with you along the path of sanctity for a little while. I just thank you so much for that privilege. Another thing that the desert really pulls up, and I mentioned it earlier, was this idea of worthlessness. And I have to say that probably the most transformational thing that I ever learned from the scriptures about worthlessness, because I didn't know that that was the root of all of my sin and all of my woundedness, all of that led back to worthlessness. And it's a long story that I actually included in my book, Fearless, but, but I had... I had a situation that brought up historical emotions and it was probably the the worst bout. I had I had stopped acting out of aggression in my anger. And so when this pop quiz came, it I turned it inward. I wasn't going to attack. I didn't have a fight with my husband. Well, I did actually pick a fight, but it wasn't anything major. It was just me being depressed and being just ugh. it was it was very dark and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I even asked God, I said, what is wrong with me? I feel so worthless. And I gouged it into my journal when I read it. I mean, when I wrote it. And then later, as I, I was going back, I actually read that. And I, and I realized there through a sort of series of events that culminated in a flash of insight and illumination from the Holy Spirit that the worthlessness was the final root. That was at the very, very bottom of all of my self-medication, all of my fear, all of my anxiety, all of my depression, all of my anger, all of the terrible behaviors of anger that had erupted out of me for the past decade, all of that went back to the root of worthlessness. And many, many times in our desert, that's what you'll find too, that ultimately the bottom of that wound is worthlessness. And so I was doing, I was actually doing a study in the scriptures, but I was also writing and facilitating a study for other people, a Bible study. And I was in um, Corinthians and I read a very curious passage in second Corinthians chapter six. It says in verse 15, and what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Now, when I read that, there is a, a proper noun there in verse 15. What accord has Christ with Belial? Now, I know what Christ is and who he is, but Belial, I didn't know. And so I always, I have a habit of always looking up names in the scriptures because I know they mean things. And so I looked up the word Belial and it's two, it's a compound word in the Hebrew, Beli and Yaal. And together it means worthless. And it's a proper name. It's a proper name for Satan himself. What accord has Christ with Belial? And the answer there is none. Christ does not make you feel worthless because it is a lie from Satan himself who whose name is worthlessness. When you feel worthless and when that historical emotion comes up, when that self-medication and that desire to to feed the attachment, craving, and need with self-medication, whether it be sugar or alcohol or whatever it is you, you self-medicate with, that is 
a temptation from the enemy whose name is worthless to make you feel worthless. He accuses you of the very thing that he is. Now that's straight from scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. There is no accord, the Bible says, or communion or oneness. There is no oneness with between Christ and Belial. It's the same principle as in Genesis where God says that there will be enmity between the woman and the snake. There is no communion between Christ and Belial, between Jesus and worthlessness. It does not come from him. It comes from the enemy. And so our job in that moment is to take that emotion to to God and ask him to transform it, to show us the truth. And I just gave you the truth. The truth is you're not worthless. The enemy is worthless and his, he is the accuser. He accuses us of the very thing that he is. And so the truth then is where we rest. We ask for that transforming image and we rest in that image and we allow the Holy Spirit to transform that feeling of worthlessness through every step of the desert and through the transformation exercises. Because the truth is we cannot be worthless. If we were worthless, we wouldn't exist. And that's, I've spent so much time on the quantum mechanics, the physics of the truth of what I've been saying about this connectedness and how we come from God and he holds us in being by his gaze, by seeing us. We are held in being because God sees us. He observes us at every single second of our existence. If he did not observe us, if his eye was not on us, if his gaze was not looking at us, we would not exist. And that's actually exactly why Satan himself continues to exist, because the Bible also says in Romans 11 that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't give you something and then snatch it back. And that's what I had to learn through my desert, because I grew up having things snatched back from me. I grew up having a desire for something so deeply because it had been promised to me. I wanted it because somebody said I was supposed to have it. And then when I reached for it, it was snatched back in a renege. And so it was, it was revocable. I grew up believing and knowing and learning and experiencing, experiencing that the gifts were revocable. And so I had to learn through the desert that God is not like my earthly father. That God does not give a gift and then snatch it back. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And that's true even for the angels. Even after they fell, they still had that gift and the calling that God gave them. And that's what we know is that the enemy, Satan, he uses the gifts that God meant to elevate us and to support us and to bring us light because the word Lucifer means light. He uses them now for darkness. He tries to accuse us. He tries to trap us. He tries to um, he tries to make us feel worthless. But if God were not still observing Satan, even in love, and I know this is so mind blowing, but if God did not see Satan, he would not exist. He exists because God loves him. And friend, if that's true of, of Satan, the greatest evil, it, it cannot be anything but true of you. You cannot do anything that, make, that would make God not love you because you're still seen. And I know that because you still exist. Thank you.
You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. If you love having Bible study in your pocket, you can become a friend of the show. Click on the yellow friend of the show button on BibleStudyEvangelista.com and become a supporter of any amount and any frequency. Now, here's Sonia. series which follows my book just rest that's just out we have looked at rest in thought and rest in emotion we started out looking at God's ways and why we must follow God's ways through the desert or else we never make it to the promised land and ultimately that means heaven so we must learn these lessons or we can forfeit the promised land of heaven. It's that important. So we learned through the desert how to rest in our thoughts and how to rest in our emotions. And I gave you the, the visualization exercise. I showed you the truth about worthlessness, that that is actually um, an attack. It is an, an accusation from the enemy who is worthlessness himself. And now I want to give you a couple more tools. And in the next couple of shows, we're going to look at rest in body and rest in soul. I want to offer you an exercise that I, I do with uh, my one-on-one consultations. Actually, I, I, what I'm doing really through all of this is taking you through a consultation. I follow the principles in the book, Just Rest, for, for one-on-one consultations, and I do it in depth with people. And I do it in a way that helps them see the patterns in their own lives, in their own woundedness, and their own self-medicating behaviors, and all of that. And, and it's very specific to them individually. But I'm giving you the very same tools so that you can use those yourself. And one of those is an exercise I call the mirror. And what you do is you stand in front of a mirror. It has You have to have privacy, so maybe there shouldn't be anybody in the house. But you have to have some privacy and you go to a mirror. It's usually in the bathroom because that's usually where our, our biggest mirrors are. And you, you look at yourself. You look at yourself in the eyes and you ask God, how do you see me? And what happens is when you're standing in front of that mirror, what you see is the new wrinkle, the saggy skin, Um, whatever, whatever it is there, the blemish, you see that stuff. But I want you to look in your own eyes. I want you to look at yourself. You will see you, but it's very important that you, you spend enough time in front of the mirror that you hear God clearly. Now he, he won't speak audibly, probably, maybe you'll hear him that way, but I never have. It's always in my heart. It's an impression in my heart. But when you stand in front of that mirror and give God as long as it takes for him to speak, he will, he will give you something. And that something will be related to how he sees you. How do you see me, Lord? And you stand in front of that mirror until you get something from God. And you can do the same thing in adoration, but it's, but it's a little bit different because you're, you're looking at yourself and in so doing, I don't know really what happens, but there is a transformation that that happens there when the when you have followed the process fully. So go to your mirror, look at yourself in the eyes and ask God, how do you see me? 
and stay there until you hear from him. Now, I modeled that actually on Psalm 139 that says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Most of us don't believe that about ourselves. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you, like the psalmist, see someone who's fearfully and wonderfully made? Does what you see there in that mirror make you want to sing or make you want to look away? What did Jesus mean when he said to love others as we love ourselves? And what is the you of you? What does your spirit look like without your body? And as you're standing in front of that mirror, feel your pulse and realize that life is running through you. It is a gift from God. Look at your fingertips. Look at the pattern. It's a pattern that's shared with no other living human being. You're uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully made. An image of God and loved for it. That is the truth of who you are. It's not worthlessness. And God will give you that knowledge and that, and when I say knowledge, I don't mean in the head. I mean in your heart, in the deepest heart. As you turn to him in these deprivations, he will, he will give you that knowledge deeply in your heart in a way that heals that, that worthlessness that we live with. It's like we're living on autopilot with this worthlessness in the background, and it drives all of our behavior, all of our self-medication, all of our sin. And until that root is healed, we will not rest And that's why it's so important to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our emotions because the emotions and the thoughts work together to drive the anxiety and the fear that we live with all the time. And no matter how good things are, Job shows us that no matter how good things are, and the Israelites show us too, no matter how many gifts we receive from God, no matter how, no matter how many miracles, no matter how many blessings we have, we will never enjoy them. We will never see them as the gifts that they are. And we will forfeit rest permanently if we do not allow him to heal the worthlessness, the rejection, the abandonment at the root, the root of that attachment cry and that attachment need. The emotions are probably the biggest piece because they feel uncontrollable. And this is why I keep saying that emotions are like puppies. They pee in the floor. They just are what they are. And you can't You can't pretend that you don't feel what you do feel because that is a lie that your subconscious will not allow you to tell. It will come out in other places, the truth. It will come out in your your physical health. You'll begin to... You'll begin to experience physical symptoms if you're denying the truth of your emotions because they're uncomfortable, they're negative, they're dark, they're depressing. And when we continue long term to deny what we really feel or have felt in the past and continue to feel through pop quizzes, when we don't acknowledge that, when we don't really look at it with God and allow him to transform it, all of our energy and focus goes on the negativity of the emotion and the thoughts. And that just brings more of it to ourselves. We don't want to do that anymore. Rest means we learn to rest in thought and we learn to rest in emotion. The visualization technique and the mirror exercise are both tools that you can use to uh, ask the Holy Spirit and cooperate with him in transforming that negativity in thought and emotion. 
Now, another thing I want to just mention is that the Bible tells us that there is no condemnation in God. You stand in total acceptance, not condemnation. I'm going to prove it. Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We walk in the spirit when we cooperate with the pop quizzes that he uses on a regular basis to pull up all that negativity in our thoughts and our emotions. We walk in the spirit when we ask him to transform those dark, difficult emotions. That is walking in the spirit. If we're not walking in the spirit, it's not going to matter how many spiritual exercises we do. It's not going to matter how many spiritual practices we practice. It's not going to matter how many prayers or what kind of prayers we pray. We must cooperate with the spirit and walk in that spirit or else we are not going to experience rest. And all of the shows and all of the rest of the shows that I do in this particular series that follows my book, Unrest, The principles in that book are the principles that are left in the scriptures for us as a template for how to navigate the desert, how to rest in deprivation, how to rest in thought and in emotion and in body and in soul. And in so doing, there is no condemnation. You do not stand in condemnation. You do not stand in worthlessness. That is a lie. So walk in the truth. Walk in the truth of your absolute dignity, the truth that God sees you at every second, at every breath. He holds you in being in love and that you can control your thoughts and that your emotions can be transformed. And all of that trauma and all of the negativity and the historical emotions can and will be transformed. That is your promised land. That is your authority in Christ. That is your power in Christ. That is your inheritance in Christ as a child of God. That is the truth of who you are. That is the truth. One last tool that I want to offer you at this point, because we know the science now behind the truth of this. Studies show that listening to music strengthens the brain and it changes the structure. Remember when we talked about how the, the structure of thoughts and the biology of our thoughts and how the electrical impulses, um, the more we think about something, the, the more electrical impulses that we're producing and then the emotion is attached to it and all that. So studies show then that that listening to music changes the brain in the same positive ways as prayer and art and meditation, all of that stuff. Your body responds to this input as though it were real and it's soothing. And the Bible says in Second Chronicles 20, 21, it shows us that praise confounds the enemy. So if you're being harassed in your thoughts and emotions by the enemy, if you're experiencing negativity and worthlessness, rejection, abandonment, if your attachment need is being tweaked and you're, you're feeling attacked or feeling anxious, feeling fear, all of that, that is an attack. Praise God. Put on that praise music and the enemy is confused. Praise God in all things, dear one. That is walking in the spirit in the transformation of our thoughts and emotions. That is the way to rest. Next week, we'll start talking about rest in body and soul. I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista.
Thank you for listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Find out more at BibleStudyEvangelista.com.